All right, dear listener, welcome to the second episode of Queer Sounds, a podcast that exists to examine the music tastes of various different kinds of queer people. My name is Hannah, pronouns they, them. And in the studio today with me is Nina. Nina, welcome. Thank you. Hi. Uh, just for the listener, what are your pronouns? I'm a she. All right, there we go. Um, I mean, it's a little funny here because this is actually a second take. Um, mentioning pronouns, that isn't really something you're used to doing, right? No, no. Yeah. Well, the first time you, you asked me what my pronoun was and I didn't quite um, know what you mean because there there are no people that ever asked me what my pronoun is. How come? Because in, in, in my direct bubble, that's pretty usual. Um And in my personal opinion, should be normalized. How how come it's not really the type of thing you're used to? I don't know because um, in in high school I had a lot of friends who just knew who I was. I never I never asked myself that question. I think so. I didn't really talk about uh, I didn't really talk about it with people. Um, it was just normal to me. Right. I mean, I reckon a large part of that is also because we're talking about cis people all right glad you're here um me too yeah no i'm really excited about this uh because uh last episode um we had Wowser here someone i know through aku and uh, i deliberately went for someone who uh we both didn't know um like um obviously you and Wowser don't know each other so i no. deliberately de decided to look for someone outside um outside that same Aku bubble, so I'm glad you're here. Um, we know each other through uni, right? Yeah. Um, so can you explain to the dear listener what you do, what we do? Um, well, we know each other through uni. As you said, we, we study um, here together in Utrecht. Um, we study journalism. And uh, last year we were in the same class. Um, and next semester we will be in the same class together. And Well, we, we just became friends last year with a lot of people. Um, and that's how we know each other. And that's what we do. We're journalists. Right. Um, I mean, a part of my journalistic, journalistic endeavors is, as a matter of fact, this podcast. But that doesn't quite go for you as well, does it? No, no. I'm, I'm actually a writer. Oh, all right. But you also work like for... Research lab stuff. Yes, type of yes. I I figured out last April that I like to do a research. Um, I wouldn't say I'm really good at, but I like fact checking, um, that sort of thing. And then someone I know from journalism lab, um, asked me if I wanted to help uh, research and study, um, the psychological effects of virtual reality in journalism. How does that go? Put on virtual reality glasses, look at different things, or. No, not quite. We um, we sorted out like 200 productions uh, of journalistic um, companies who made productions with virtual reality, 360 video. We watched all of them uh, with or without a virtual reality um, like glasses. And um, we're going to do some experiments and, and figure out um, if virtual, real uh, virtual reality glasses have effects on how you look at uh, news and different productions and what's been your your conclusion so far i can't uh, really say because we're still uh, researching that kind of stuff once again i always ask my people my guests to bring in some tunes uh, to play in the podcast 
Uh, first off is uh, someone released in something released in 1984. Here we go. Irgendwann. Oh, boy. Classic. Yeah. Classic. Oh my god, I love, I love this song so, so much. Yeah, it's. Uh, I was actually kind of surprised when you said uh, we were going for the uh, the 1984 version, not the 2002 version with Kim Wilde. Yeah, that's partly because um, I was I was born in Germany. I have a lot of family in Germany, so. Um, and I, I lived in Germany from my birth, which was in 1999, um, till 2003. So I grew up with the German version of this song, the version ah. with only Nena, and that's how I remember it. And sometimes this song is on the radio, and then it's the, the English version with Kim Wilde. Yeah. And, you know, I, I just don't feel it. I just want the plain version with Nena, because that's how I remember it from when I was a child. That actually makes some sense. I mean, because I just assumed, uh, age-wise here, that we, that we is going that was going to be the, the the version with Kim Wilde because that one was ought to be more popular at the time. Like we're talking two thousand and two, you were three yeah. at the time. So I just kind of assumed that that was going to be the one we were going for here. But I'm actually really glad that it wasn't. I'm actually really glad that we went for the full German version. Yeah, I because, thought so. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, um, I mean, obviously German isn't the most sexy language out there, but... No, 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 like, no. I just love the... To stick to the theme here, Zeitgeist. Like, you can... The, 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 the synths, and it's not as overproduced, but yet overproduced enough to make sure that it's like that typical, typical, typical uh, 80s sound. Like, yeah. it's... it's I'm, I'm, I'm loving it. Um... But yeah, you uh, you briefly mentioned you lived in Germany. Is that also why you picked this song? Um, is this is this the type of songs it was uh, playing every day during, throughout your childhood? Yeah, yeah, I guess so. When you mentioned, I want you to uh, pick a song from your you know childhood memories. I don't know why, but I always think of songs that I know from my time uh, living in Germany. Right. I, I don't know why, and there are a few songs that I remember, um, like A Thousand Miles from Vanessa Carlton, Ooh, I yes. guess. Um, because that was on the radio like all the time when I lived there. Um, and Nena. And um, yeah, so 
I, I listened to that a lot. It was on the radio a lot. My parents, they both love Nena so much, especially my father, since he lived most of his childhood in Germany. Um, and then I had to pick between 99 Luftballons uh, and this one. And I don't know, I, I just... I get goosebumps every time I hear this. <laughs> oh, wow. Goosebumps even. Yeah, no, I, I, I can get that. Um, but to what extent do you have a specific thought in mind, uh, like family holidays? Are you just being a child playing in your living room? Or yeah, I picture, I picture my living room in Germany, um, which is a long, long time ago. And I lived there for like four years for my, you know, for my birth to four years old so that's that's just a fraction of my of what i can remember from that from that uh period of my of my life and i just picture myself in the living room or in my in my room but my parents still had these cassette tapes with um artists like nena and dumar which is a dutch um, band and i that's the only thing that comes to mind when i hear this song and i just love that because we we don't have that anymore I mean, they're coming back now, aren't they? The cassette tapes. You've got like in those, yeah, in those, yeah. in those indie scenes, people are yeah, thriving they, they off make of that nostalgia. Yeah, they make mixtapes for each other and stuff. Oh, mixtapes even? Did you used to make mixtapes for people? No, because I was too young. But I wish, I wish I could because I really would love to make some mixtapes for... What's stopping you? Because I don't know how it works. And I forget every time to Google how or ask people how I can make my own mixtapes. But All right. I definitely should do that, actually, now you mention it. There's a lot more work to it now, isn't there? It's like yeah. when, whenever you've got, uh, you've actually got a cassette tape, record something off the radio. Um, I mean, that, that just says so much more than, hey, I made you a Spotify playlist. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. no, I, I could totally get that. A um, little bit about Nena herself. Um, like I said, the, the, the song's released in 1984. The typical nickname is the German Madonna. She's still touring, actually. She used to be the host of, or at least one of the judges on uh, The Voice of Germany. Were you aware of that? No. Yeah, no, I she, didn't know. She, she used to be a judge on The, on the Voice of History, uh, The Voice of, Voice of Germany. Oh my god, I'm definitely, when I get home, I'm definitely gonna watch on YouTube. Oh yeah, you, should, you, you I probably didn't, should. I really didn't know that. Oh my god, that's so cool. Yeah, no, I um, I haven't actually seen any any clips here. Uh, but yeah, apparently she did that season one through, one, one, two, and three. So yeah. Okay, oh great. Yeah, I was, do you, do you tend to watch shows like that? Is it something? I used to, I used to, yeah. My my parents don't watch public broadcaster because when we lived in Germany, my mother um, used to watch RTL, but the, 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 the German version because it was mm-hmm. a lot easier to understand. And then we moved to Holland and my father didn't speak any Dutch. He only spoke German and Croatian because um, I'm half Croatian. So we only watched RTL and that kind of stuff because it's a lot easier to understand, a lot of easy topics when you compare it to public broadcaster. So I used to watch that kind of television programs like The Voice and and Holland's Got Talent. Um, but then I came here mm-hmm. and then I um, I moved in here in Utrecht um, by my own. And no, I don't watch television at all anymore. So just for the sake of the picture, it's like your mum's uh, Dutch, your dad's Croatian, and they met halfway in Germany. Is that right? They they uh. didn't met in Ger- no, they didn't meet in Germany. They met in Greece on a holiday. Um, but you know, my father was living in Germany because my grandparents, his parents, uh, had a job there because it was 
you know, financial, a lot more stable than in Croatia. Um, and then my mother moved to Germany and that's when I and my sister were born. But this is a, a, a queer podcast after all, so let's get into that detail. Um, yeah. So, um, Nina, tell me about your, your queer experience. Like, how how did you find out when, where, why, what, and why, etc.? Okay, so for the listener, I'm bisexual. Um, I figured that out in the second year of high school, I think. So I was about 14. I, I was in my first relationship. I had a boyfriend for about a year. And then I noticed I had a thing for a friend of mine, a, a girl. Um, and I thought it was just a phase and I hoped it would get, you know, I would get over it and stuff. Um, and then two years later, I broke up with my boyfriend and I became really, really attracted to girls, like only attracted to girls. Then I thought for a moment I was a lesbian. Then I fell in love with a guy again. The fourth year of my high school, I just accepted, no, you know, maybe you're you're just bisexual. It's like, yeah, kind of that a point of realization where you realize like, yeah. neither are mutually exclusive. Yeah, yeah. What did did you ever go for that thing with that friend? No, no. I I once told her, but she doesn't like. Uh, she doesn't. She isn't attracted to girls. So were you bummed out? No, because it was just a fling. I guess I just I I liked her and she was spontaneous and beautiful, but I didn't really fall in love with her. That bec- that just happened a few years later when I really fell in love with another girl. Like a, just a crush type of thing. How did how did it all develop? How did you did you actively start start experimenting? Like did you actively started to uh, try different things, uh, broaden your horizon when it comes to dating, or didn't you just kind of like meh? Maybe I'll fall in love with a guy. Maybe I don't, and yeah, I'll just kind of see what happens. Yeah, I was really having that vibe. Like I don't want to get myself into anything. Um, if I don't know what I want, so I'll just see what happens. And I figured out that, um, you know, having a crush on a girl or falling in love with a girl is a lot difficult because everyone assumes you're straight. Yeah. So when you fall in love with a guy, you're mostly certain that he falls, that he's attracted to girls so you can flirt with him and stuff. But I didn't quite know how to flirt with a girl because I wasn't sure, you know, is she attracted to women or not? And how how do I how do I even do this? So I just, you know, go with the flow. Right. Is it, I, I do. I do sense some hesitation there. Is like, is there is there any kind of regret? Like, um, damn it, maybe should have flirted with girls. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely should have. I um, I used to kiss a lot of girls when I was drunk, um, but that were mostly those were mostly just friends of mine who were experimenting as well, and some of them are now bisexual or lesbian. And some of them aren't and were just in, you know, I was drunk and I wanted to kiss a girl, that kind of stuff. Right. Um, I did some other things with girls, but yeah, okay, I'm not going, no, I'm yeah, not going no, down there. Um, um, but don't want to earn that explicit mark on, uh, no, on Spotify. No, no, no. <laughs> um, but sometimes I, I regret stuff I didn't do because right. I, I, I was in love for about two years with a girl. And I never, I never really got the chance to express myself to her. Why didn't you get the chance? Because I, I because I was scared as fuck. 
All right, so there was a chance. You were just very hesitant. Yes, and then she found out, and and we were in that part of our friendship that we were just we knew that we were just friends. Tell me a bit. Tell me a bit more about that. Like, when did this happen? Uh, what was that? What was that person like? Okay, so in our fourth year of high school, we um, we went on an internship to um, uh, to an orphan to an orphanage in Poland. Um, and she was uh, she came new to our school in that year, so we just became casual friends and stuff. And she was extraordinary. She was <laughs> so so amazingly beautiful, and she was spontaneous and and nice and really open minded to everything and everyone. And I adored that so much about her. So I I I really got this crush, and I told a few friends, um, but not her. And eventually, when everyone knew except for her, we went out one night and a friend of mine, um, I, we got into a fight, she was really drunk, and then she told the girl that I was in love with, that mm. I was in love with her for almost a year. Ooh, that's harsh. Yeah. This is like, We're not oh, friends anymore, yeah, no, by I, the way. <laughs> oh, but how did she take that? Um, really well. She was she was really nice and she was like, yeah, I had this feeling, but I didn't want to upset you or make you uncomfortable. Our friendship wasn't ruined. And then the year after that, we went on a holiday to Barcelona with a group and then we talked a lot. And then she told me that she was bisexual, too, and that she had a crush on me, too, in Poland. But, you know, she was in that phase that she didn't knew what she wanted. And that sounds familiar. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and she she wasn't in love so she didn't feel like going into it then after high school we just grew apart all right yeah that makes sense that happens yeah. a lot so um th th this to some extent sounds like your typical high school drama but um it, f it also sounds a lot more real for some reason like, what do you mean that i mean this sounds like a scenario that it could come straight out of out of a movie this is yeah. like i mean <laughs> Uh, there, there is the main character. There's the main antagonist, which is the friend that you had a fight with, and in comes the the dreamboat of uh, the of the new kid, and 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 uh, the storyline develops from there. This time around, it's gay, unlike most Hollywood stories. So yeah, big up for that. Yeah, well, um, maybe we should make a movie out of it. <laughs> I mean, uh, purchase the rights. Uh, no, write your own biography because you're a writer, right? Yeah, well, write I your own write, write an autobiography and then make a movie out of that autobiography. Who would you cast as yourself? Oh my god! Oh my god! This is such a hard question. You mean like someone I know, or a Hollywood star, or someone famous? Um, well, I have a lot of inspirations, but right now, I'm having a blackout. I think I, right. I, I can't think of anyone i mean for the sake of the segue here's some other heroes
Hiya folks, this is Editing Hannah right here. Um, this is a trigger warning. There's going to be mentions of suicide in the next bit. Um, you'll find time codes in the show notes, so you can skip ahead. All right. All right, our uh, Queer Artist of the Week, David Bowie. Um, we've, got, we've got the album version right here. Uh, six minutes and 11 seconds of full glory. Uh, Nina, why did you pick David Bowie as Queer Artist of the Week? Because I have to be honest, I don't know a lot of queer artists. Um, I know, you know, well, for example, David Bowie, have Queen, of course, with Freddie Mercury, um, Hayley Kiyoko or something, but yes. I, don't, I don't like her music, really. Um, but why I chose this song was because it's the soundtrack of one of my favorite movies, The Perks of Being a Wallflower. Oh, all right. Have you seen that movie? I have not. You should. Uh, yeah. Why should I see this movie? What's uh, what's the premise? Um, okay, so it's about this this boy. Charlie is 15 year old, and he uh, was homeschooled for a while because he has mental issues. And he was hospitalized for about a year, and then he goes to school, and his best friend had killed himself, so he's really alone. And then he meets these seniors who just absorb him in their friendship, uh, in their friend group. Um, and they just experiment with alcohol and parties and drugs and sex and, and sexuality, like everything from the modern um, from the modern society is worked up in that movie. And what I like most about this movie is the soundtrack. Because right. it's it's set in the 80s or 90s, I guess. So the music is just perfect. Um, um, a little bit about Heroes by David Bowie. Um, well, from his famous uh, Berlin era, of course. Uh, collaborative with, uh, uh, collab with Brian Eno, Tony Fasconti as producer, etc., etc., etc. From the eponymous album. Do you have a favorite Bowie era? Because I really love the Berlin era. No. No, I don't know David Bowie like that well. I listen to some of his songs um, from time to time. Um, but yeah, I have to be honest, I don't know that much about David Bowie. All right, so you just kind of picked a David Bowie song and didn't really look into it as as to why. No, no, just because of my favorite movie. That's why I know this song, actually. Right, yeah. So but so it still holds this connection. It's not like we also could have just played Let's Dance or something like that. No, 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 no. It oh, has right. a connection, but it's a random choice. If you look into old David Bowie songs, I would have to say I don't know much of his songs i know a few and this one is the most recognizable because i know it from a movie my favorite movie all right um to be honest i was kind of surprised when you uh picked david bowie as your queer artist of the week because uh there's actually this 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 article that was published in the new york times uh right after david bowie had passed r.i.p um it was it had the great title was he gay bisexual or bowie Yes, it's like it's like the question. The, the question was he gay by a Bowie? Just the answer is yes. It's like I, I love that yeah. because um, the article points out um, he came out as gay in 1972 in some kind of interview, and 11 years later, so in in 83, he mentioned that coming out as being um, the biggest mistake he ever made. So really? Did yeah. He- 
Yeah, well, I think that sexuality is not, you're not one thing. Yeah, it's a fluid thing, isn't it? Yeah, and I think a lot of people don't see that. And they, you know, um, some girls are only attracted to men, um, but they don't realize that that it could actually be anything because it's just the person you meet. That's yeah. the most important thing. So you're you're not attracted to to one thing. We're attracted to all of things. And uh, I'm I mean I reckon that 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 differs per person, obviously. Uh, but most importantly, what I think is that it doesn't really matter what David Bowie was attracted to. It just kind of grew out to be this queer icon, nonetheless. Because you know, with the stage presence and this uh, yeah, androgynous style, yeah. I especially that's especially why I love. Um, that that one cover uh that that one album cover of uh the man who sold the world it's just so wonderfully androgynous but yeah no it's um i think wait, it's about you know for? it's it's about his music too so it doesn't matter if he's straight or bi or gay or whatever it's just it's about his it's about his music and if you like it or not and about the person he he was and if he was happy That's the most important thing. So I don't I don't care what his sexuality was. And I think it's actually annoying that people still wonder about it. So I think that article, yeah. the title is beautiful. Yeah, no, it is. It is. Um, what was your reaction when you found out that he passed? I was I was sad. I wasn't like crying or anything, but I was sad because I think a few months or a few years before that I discovered his music. So I was kind of hoping that maybe he would make some more music and I would be, you know, more attracted to his music and his, you know, his being. Um, right. And then he passed away. So, yeah, that's it was kind of sad. How did you discover David Bowie? Do you remember that one specific moment? Yeah, I think I think it was while watching that movie, The Burks Being Wallflower, and then um, there's this scene where they're driving in a car and there's this song on the radio. Right. And the whole movie, they're searching for that one song. And it made me feel... Um, it made me feel free. So I looked it up and that's why that's when I discovered David Bowie. And in my fifth year of high school, I had art history and... Um, Then we discussed a lot of David Bowie songs too. Ooh, how did how did they do that? I was like, did you were you forced to listen to Bowie in school? Is that a thing they did? No, we weren't forced, but there was this question in one of the exams, and you had to watch a music video of David Bowie. I think it was Ziggy Stardust. Right. Yeah. And you had to give five reasons why it was extraordinary for that time, for that period. Oh wow, that that actually sounds really cool because you've got you've got a lot of these purists going on like yeah well people the music from the 70s is perfect and everything after that is shit and they should um and and they should force that to in, into schools and actually educate the audience but that's something that they actually did in your school then yeah but they did it with all sorts of music we had metal we had punk we had pop we had rock we had jazz um that's when i discovered jazz music actually we discussed david bowie and queen and okay but that's all still music from the 70s or prior to that yeah but that's what i remember most because i love that music but okay, we also fair. discussed uh, sex pistols and acdc still and 70s still um, 70s yeah true oh my <laughs> god um Yeah, but we did we did all kinds of areas and we did all kinds of music. But that's well, you're pointing it out. That's all I remember <laughs> because I'm really I really like 70s to 90s music. 
All right. So, um, what what uh, what other more recent artists that they cover in that? Because I can remember something like that. Like they had the obligatory Nirvana moment, um, yeah. and that's only because they. Uh, in school, asked uh, the students to like prepare for the exams and bring in some practice practice questions, right? Yes. Yeah. So I brought along this Nirvana related question, and that was the only reason why there was any Nirvana in 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 in, in high school's exams at all. Really? So, as far as I can recall, yeah. Wow. Well, we didn't we didn't cover Nirvana, I guess. I don't remember covering Nirvana in our exams. Oh, all right. Oh no, wait. I do remember something something different. Um, actually, in this, we had something similar. Um, it's like a general art class, uh, like uh, cultural history, where they also included uh, David Bowie's Rebel Rebel. And I reckon uh, all apologies because of the line, everyone's gay. Oh, yeah. 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 So, um, and I mean, I'm not entirely sure if that sentence is true, but I wish it were. <laughs> Um, all right, yeah, no, brilliant, brilliant. But um, music from the seventies. Uh, do you have other? Is that is that why is that your 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 favorite era? It's not only the seventies. That's my favorite area. I love. I think everything between the fifties and the nineties. Oh wow, that's that. really yeah. But that's my, only all of pop pop history. Yeah, my my music taste is really various, but. 70s till 90s is mostly because of my parents. They listen to a lot of rock classics, um, mostly. Um, my father was a huge fan of bands like Kiss, ACDC, Guns N' Roses, Nirvana. Uh, my grandmother is 86 and she still listens to Bob Marley and that kind of stuff. Oh, wow. So I, I guess I grew up with that kind of music. Um, to what extent uh, did your music taste take shape from that? I mean, there are some uh, obvious connections. Mm, I mean, name some examples of, of, of artists you listen to today, like modern artists. Like modern artists, like what I listen to or what is actually right now? Yeah, no, what's, uh, what's, what's popular right now, like from the past few years? We're recording this 2019, say um, artists from the last nine years. Well, I listen, actually, I listen to a lot of hip hop. So I would say like the new hip hop, not old school. Um, so I would say artists like Kendrick Lamar, J. Cole, Anderson Pack, uh, Muramasa, Keitronada. All right. And what do you find so compelling about those? Just the just the vibe or Yeah, it's the vibe, it's the lowlands vibe. <laughs> All right, yeah, the festival vibe. We'll get to that. We'll get to that later. Um I mean while we're on it, um, I think I'm gonna go skip ahead to the next song. Um, in the category Best Life Experience, there we go. Iris at the Google Dolls. And I give up forever to touch you. Cause I know that you feel me somehow. You're the closest to heaven that I'll ever be. And I don't wanna go home right now And all I could taste is this moment And all I can breathe is your life And sooner or later it's over 
best life experience. Yes, totally. You're full of surprises today. I mean, this is more of the type of song that I would have expected in 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 in, in the childhood section of the show. But when did you see these live? Are they are they even still? Do they have more than one song? Well, Because this I is a one-hit wonder. I have heart. to confess, I didn't see the Google Dolls live. Oh. Um, you know this band, this emo band, Sleeping with Sirens. Oh yeah. Well, you could have just said that. I would have put on the Sleeping with Sirens version. No, 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 no. But I wanted, I wanted this version because I love it so much. But um, there's this band, Sleeping with Sirens. They covered this song, um, and every once, uh, every, uh, every time they tour, um, they play this song as well because it's kind of iconic. Even, you know, everyone who listens to Sleeping with Sirens knows this song. So I was 15 or 16 and I went to a concert with Pierce the Fail and Sleeping with Sirens. Wow, getting to in the emo section of the podcast. There yes. we go. <laughs> This is, again, you're full of surprises. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually nice to hear. I don't know why. But, you know, I was at this concert and I was already crying and stuff because I love them so much. And then they started playing this song. And at the, at the end of the guitar solo, Um, the lead singer Kellen Quinn, I guess is his name. Yeah, yeah Kellen Quinn. He was like, "Okay, when this guitar solo is over, I want you to sing every word of this song, and I won't, I won't even sing with you. I want you to sing it." And the music drops, and the whole crowd sings the song word by word. Oh Everyone wow! Knew. And it was so so fucking beautiful that I started crying like real hard. Aww. And every time I just want to re-experience it, I I, um, I look it up on YouTube because someone in the crowd filmed the whole thing. Ooh, wow. Um, so, and, you know, that's why this song is iconic for my, my best life experience because that was the most beautiful thing I've ever experienced. Where and when was it? Melkweg in Amsterdam. When? Uh, I was... If I was 16, I guess, or 15, so that's, I, I would say, four years ago. Wow. This is actually, actually surprising. Oh, I mean, not to express any biases here, but I've seen Sleeping with Sirens and I wasn't too, well, wasn't, wasn't too convinced by it. No? Yeah, no. I mean, it was also kind of the setting. When I saw Sleeping with Sirens, it was at a festival and... What festival? Lowlands. And there were like th they were on Lowlands. Yeah, they played Lowlands like 2016. Oh my god! And there were like it. It was like in the second biggest tent. There were like 30 people there. It was. It was. It was actually kind of painful to watch. Oh my god! Yeah. Yeah. Well, I have to say, um, I don't think Sleeping with Sirens is right for Lowlands. Yeah, there, there, there is an audience there. There, there. Are Actually, I think a little bit too emo for the audience at Lowlands. Um, and I think it w that concert that I went to was so popular because they were touring with Pierce the Phil and they have a lot of songs yeah. together. So, you know, they could perform together and, and the whole emo crowd was there. Um, that made it so special. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's exactly right. I mean, I'm not surprised that they were able to sell out club shows, but... 
are actually not in their strong suit. Like festivals aren't their strong suit. No, no, exactly. So if they if they would be at the lineup of Lowlands or some other festival, I don't think I would go yeah. to their concert. That's probably smart. A little bit about this song, um, the Google Dolls version, that is. Uh, this one's also a movie soundtrack. Um, City of Angels with uh, Nick Cage, actually. Songs released 1998. All right, here's a question for you. What do My Chemical Romance, uh, Paramore, and Goo Goo Dolls have in common? All right, I'm going oh to... Th- th- it's, w- um, Can you give me a hint or something? Because I'm I just going to tell it. It's, it's, uh, they have the same producer. The producer um, who did Iris by the Goo Goo Dolls also did bits and pieces of the Black Parade, uh, Green Day's Dookie, uh, guy's name is Rick Cavallo, or Cavallo, um, Spanish isn't my strong suit, uh, but yeah, he does a lot of uh, he does a lot of movie soundtracks actually. Um, I didn't know that. Yeah, no, uh, the Phil Collins songs that he did, they were all in Tarzan. Um, the Paramore song he did was part of the Twilight soundtrack. So yeah, and oh, of course, yes, the yeah. Twilight soundtrack. I remember. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, but, definitely. And and I I don't think My Chemical Romance was ever a movie soundtrack. Uh, yeah, no, um, even if, I, I'm not entirely sure, but even if it was, it definitely wasn't on the Black Parade, no. uh, at least as far as I know. Uh, so yeah, I'm actually surprised that um, the Goo Goo Dolls have so many ties in with, uh, with, with, with emo culture. Oh, funny, I didn't know that. Yeah, no, I, 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 I kind of did my homework before we, uh, before we start recording. Um, But getting back, uh, getting back to the the life aspect of it all, um, have you seen Sleeping with Sirens? Then more often, if I ever saw them, yeah. Have you have you, have you seen Sleeping with Sirens more often than just the one thing at Malkweg? No, no, I didn't. No. All right, that's sadly you. Oh yeah, no. I've ju- I've just seen. I've only seen them at the Lowlands Festival. Okay, well, that was kind of a sad experience then. Yeah, well, um, you actually set me up here for a great segue because uh, let's move on and talk about festivals. Do you prefer festivals over clip shows? Yeah. All right. Yeah, all right. Yeah. Um, So uh, what's the best festival experience you've had? Well, I've been to um, three or four festivals, but one of them was the liberation festival oh yeah um and i've went i've went to pink pop when i was 15 but only for one day because my parents were a little strict and they were like you know you're 15 you can only go one day um i actually went to see the foo fighters and then they canceled because he broke his leg oh yeah all right that was that year that iconic year um and last year i went to lowlands And that was personal favorite. Yeah, my personal favorite too. And I don't think I ever want to go to another festival because Lowlands is at my top forever. All right. Um, I mean, okay. What do you like about the Lowlands Festival? The vibe. It's, you know, mo- the most people go to a festival after they've seen the lineup and they saw, oh, there are going to be a few artists that I like. Um, I want to go there. Um, but I don't care about the lineup at, Low- at Lowlands. I mean, it's it's great that there are artists that I like and listen to. But even if the lineup uh, lineup was shit, I would still go because of the nightlife, the clubs, the people that go there, the vibe. 
um, it's just so. I don't know. I don't have any words for it. Yeah, it's um, it's everything. I guess what you're saying it's it's very diverse, uh, not just in programming, but also in uh, experiences altogether. Yeah, and like they have cultural uh, cultural things as well. That's you know? exactly right. It's not just music. They've got uh, art exhibitions, uh, theater. You can go literature, to ballet shows. Ballet, exactly. Um, I mean. What what else are we gonna do? Like uh, the yoga bit that they've got going every morning. Oh my god! Yes. Um, Even if you're like super wasted or you have a huge hangover and you go at 10 a.m., you all go together to the yoga class and you just. It's. I don't know. It's it's. Fantastic. It's so funny. Yeah, it actually helps against a hangover, is what I've been told. Um, I mean, I've been going to the Lowlands. But, uh, side note here: this podcast is not sponsored by. Uh, mojo bookings maybe we should look into that um yeah no uh i've been going to the lowlands festival um for about six years now no wait me way more um more eight yeah um last time i went was 2018 that was last year so yeah i've been going eight times and great experience every single day every single time um Specific artists that you have seen at Lowlands um, that are at the top? Um, last year, you mean? Yeah, um, I mean, that's the one time you went, right? Yeah, yeah, well, that's true. Um, Kendrick Lamar. All right. Um, and uh, the Wombats. I really like the Wombats. Um, and I also went to the Jeugd van Tegenwoordig. Ooh, a little bit of Dutch, Dutch hip-hop there. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it was too crowded. I mean, I really like them and I like their music and their shows are always great, but it was way too crowded and I couldn't breathe and it was hot. And um, first we wanted to um, stand uh, at the front of the stage and there were some assholes who um, used my hat as an ashtray. Ooh, so, that's disgusting. Yeah, so... I couldn't really um, enjoy their... That 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 feels very counterintuitive because um, particularly that festival, it always feels like this this very uh, accepting space, this very yes, welcoming space. Yes, I thought so too. And I experienced and that also, but... You don't expect people to be assholes there. No, and it wasn't at like any, any um, uh, how do you say that, a concert or by any artist, but yeah, only by the Jeugd van Tegenwoordig. Oh, their crowd is really shitty. And I experienced that a few weeks ago, too, when I went to the Jeugd in Tivoli here in Utrecht. Right, yeah, just um, a, a regular club show. They're also, there are always those drunk 20-year-old guys who scream and yell and push. And it's so uh, annoying. Like, grow up. Yeah. Be an adult. So, um, what are you particularly looking for uh, at festivals or... Artists in general, are there specific artists you still want to see live? Arctic Stuff. Monkeys. Yeah? Yeah. All right. I've listened that, to that, Arctic Monkeys. You didn't, that, that came out in a second, yeah. split second. But that's a question I get asked a lot. And um, Arctic Monkeys is, I think, one of the first bands I, I, I really listened to. My father is a huge fan of Arctic Monkeys. Um, I love every album of them. And I never got the chance to see them. Sounds like you've got a lot of musical common ground with your dad. Yeah, I do. But I have a lot of common grounds with my dad in like 
everything. It's like you both like girls. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my god, great one. Yeah, that too. And um yeah, we we both like art and um we're both really into history, the same music taste. So yeah, we're really alike. Um wh- what's the chicken? What's the egg there? Did you find common ground and um start building on that or did you just have a healthy parent-child relationship and then the music taste followed yeah all right last one yeah all right that sounds good um but uh we're about to hit um the last um uh song of this podcast um uh, we actually have um two deceased podcasts uh two deceased um artists in this podcast um first one obviously have been uh, has been David Bowie. Uh, next one is going to be Charles Bradley. Why Charles Bradley? Uh, most recent discovery. Yeah. Um, how did I discover him? I was watching a series, I guess. I, do, I don't even know which one, but it was like two weeks ago. And um, I, I know this website uh, called TuneFind. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you so when you're watching a series and you like a song, you can in TuneFind um, uh, name the series and the season and the episode, and then it just so- shows all the songs in that particular episode. Um, and I just discovered it. I don't even know what series it was, but I I love it. It's so it's so it makes me feel so calm. How did how how was it for you to discover an artist after the passing? Yeah, sad because you you mm-hmm. feel you feel like you feel like you're missing out. Like yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's like you being, feel like you're missing out. Being that's robbed it. from the ch- uh, robbed yeah. from the chance to see them live ever. Yeah, I guess that's it. Yeah, no, I'm just gonna put it on. Yeah, it sounds good. I'm excited.
Beautiful. Just beautiful. Yeah. Um, why did you why did you specifically choose this song? Well, it's the most, most, most recent song I discovered and it makes me calm um, and happy. Uh, when did when were you watching that show when you discovered it? Like how long is that ago? One and a half week ago. Oh wow. I think. That, that's actually just just at home watching Netflix and all of a sudden yeah, Charles yeah. Bradley shows up. A few few days ago, I would say maximum ten ten days ago, and I was on the couch uh, in my home and I was watching Netflix and uh, discovering this song on Find and listen listen to it ever since. All right. Um, I mean, I, I, it's actually a pretty funny story here because it's both the most recent and the oldest song in this podcast yeah. <laughs> yeah that's pretty ironic actually yeah no um all right a little background information here uh, changes by charles bratley released 2016 but written in 1972 by none other than ozzy osborne and his mates it's a black sabbath cover um really yeah oh my god i didn't know that yeah no it's a black sabbath cover uh, the original released 1972. Uh, it's just uh, uh, it's. I actually prefer this version. Like, uh, well, I don't know the other version. I'm definitely going to listen to it when I get home. Um, but I love this song so much. Yeah, I can't describe it. I mean, um, the Black Sabbath version is just a piano ballad. I didn't. Uh, I. It's not the the 70s metal sound that you'd expect it's more whining it's 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 a bit whiny yeah okay. yeah i mean but it i'm i'm also very entertained by this because um it kind of captures your the essence of your music taste i think because it's um it's fairly recent in the way that you also mentioned that you enjoy listening to to, to modern black artists such as kendrick um it's also at the same time it's um from the from the seventies, which you know um we've talked about a lot this uh, this episode around yeah and thirdly, it really has this old fifties soulful uh, feel to yes, it yes exactly and so, that's why I love it so much yeah no that's it's and that's I think that's why it makes me feel so calm. Yeah, it's 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 also just a very mellow song in it. It's just yeah, but at exactly. the same time, it just captures so much emotion. It's uh, it's 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 a really impressive track, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, really. What what's uh your relationship with Charles Bratley right now? Do you listen to the entire album right away? No, I want to. Just the entire I still, back catalog. I still want to, um, but I want to take my time because I have this feeling like his music is just like this song um and it makes me feel calm and free and i really want to take my time to listen to the rest of it so i decided i just want to listen to it on an afternoon with a cup of tea in my bed and a book um but i didn't find the time for it because you know axioms and that kind of stuff right um but we finished this semester so i have a few days left till we start over that's exactly right um so i think i'm gonna listen to his albums this week okay um i mean are you are you an album or a or a, or a single cut kind of person just 
put the on the depends, entire record on? Depends on the artist. Okay. Like when I listen to Arctic Monkeys, for example, or Kendrick Lamar, um, or Amy Winehouse, mm-hmm. uh, I listen full album, full right. albums. Like every every single time, I just I just choose the album and I just play it uh, back to forth left to right <laughs> right like every way you can manage uh, imagine it and some some artists i just listen to a couple of songs till i get tired of it and then i choose something else all right to what extent does uh, music have a therapeutic function for you because this sounds like a very therapeutic type of song just yeah, it is. you feel stressed out you put on charles bradley and you're chill at the end of these five minutes yeah i have my my spotify is listed into um different playlists and they uh, capture an emotion right so i have i have rock i have hip-hop i have uh, stressed out i i put them by genre and by emotions all right and um just i listen to music like all the time when i'm happy i listen to happy music so such as um, artists such as guilty pleasures <laughs> Oh, and okay. Nana and and that kind of and Charles Bradley and um um more swing music, jazz music. When I'm sad, I listen to more singer-songwriter music like Ed Sheeran, the Goo Goo Dolls, the Fray, um a sad Amy Winehouse uh songs. All right. Um yeah, and right now I'm in the Lowlands vibe, so I'm just going to listen to upbeat Lowlands music. Yeah, I mean, we're recording this in, uh, in 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 January, so it's going to be a while till the next festival season rolls around. So yeah. you're good to go for that. Yeah. I mean, I I think I remember that myself. Like when um, when I had my 2018 Spotify wound up uh, roundup, uh, one of the artists that was on that list is purely because of the hey, these artists are playing at the festival type of playlists. Yeah, exactly. Did you have that too? Yeah, yeah I do. With with what artists? Uh, okay, so last summer at Lowlands there was uh, Suicide Boys, which is an extreme hip hop uh, artist, um, and I just had them in my playlist because they were at Lowlands, and mm-hmm. I listen. Sometimes I listen to one of them, uh, one now one of one of their, their songs. songs. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, but I don't listen to them in general or something. All right. Um... Getting back to Charles Bradley, there. How about um, the artists that inspired Charles Bradley, like Al Green, James Brown? Is that something that you listen to on occasion? No, but I do know Al Green because of the Pulp Fiction soundtrack. Oh, okay. Back to movie soundtracks. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we've come full circle, time after time after time after time, and um, I think that that's actually a great place to um, cut this off. Um, I want to thank you, Nina, for coming out. I want to um, thank you for asking me because I had a lot of fun. So did I. Uh, for reactions, suggestions, or just to say hi, you can uh, reach me on my Twitter page at Duchess of Deer. And uh, yeah, I will see you next time. Um, see you next episode. <laughs> <laughs>